Welcome to Two Brothers and Their Sports on this NFL-themed episode. I'm one of your co-hosts, Arv. And I'm your other co-host, Arsh. And today on the show, we have two topics to get to. We're going to start off by discussing the recent coaching moves, both in college football and the NFL, such as Nick Saban, Mike Rabel, Pete Carroll, and Bill Belichick, all guys that could potentially be on new teams next season. We're also going to be talking about the exciting start of the 2023-24 NFL playoffs, starting with Super Wildcard Weekend. Six games, Arsh and I are going to predict the outcome of every single one, so make sure you stick around for that. But let's get started with the coaching carousel. Arsh, what do you make of these moves? Yeah, so let's start off with Nick Saban, our only college football guy that we're going to be talking about in this episode. And he is one of the best college coaches, college football coaches of all time, one of the best college coaches of all time, and just such an amazing coach. The runs that he had with Alabama, bringing them back to the glory days that they had with Paul Bryant. I mean, it's amazing to see what he's been able to do and the past couple years yes they've lost their stronghold on the rest of the NCAA division one uh and and the FBS yes they have but you look at this and I mean they've been they've had number the n- number one draft pick was just last year they've had Heisman winners they've had multiple like many national championships under him and even more college football playoff appearances and he's finally retiring he's not retiring on top which is surprising because i think he could have done that he could have kept leading this these teams where he gets four and five star recruits that are on the bench for two years because of how good alabama is so all in all the goat in my opinion of college football coaching because i wasn't around to see any of the other uh, legendary coaches uh coach college football for me the goat and what he's done to alabama has brought them back to the pinnacle of college football so i want to congratulate him on his retirement i think that it's his decision to make and he didn't retire in a place where his teams weren't successful he retired in a place where his teams were in the college football playoffs and his teams were amazing. They just had the number one overall draft pick in the last draft before his retirement. So congrats to Coach Saban, and, I mean, what a career. Absolutely. I think if you look at his record for the most part, and especially, let's just start off with this. So all-time, he has 292 wins to 71 losses, and in the NFL, when he had a brief stint, he was 15-17. and 17. So in bowl games, he was 19-12, and 12, and in the college football playoffs, like you talked about, the numerous appearances they had, he was 9-5 all-time, so had almost a 66% winning percentage in in bowl games, which is, I mean, in college football playoffs, which is crazy. We know it's top four teams in the in the nation go to those tournaments, and he was 67% winning percentage at those, which is wild. Um, That 292 wins puts him at sixth all-time in college football um coaching wins. So, you know, he's up there with some greats, Um, and I think that you talked about the GOAT he has that youth in your mind, he's the GOAT. Um, I think he's very close to that conversation. I mean, we've seen his ability to foster players. You've seen recently NFL guys, you just talked about Bryce Young. But if you look at the tackles they develop, the Kool-Aid McKinstry is going to come out of Alabama this year. They have incredible depth every single year, like you talked about. They have four and five stars redshirting for one or two years, taking a COVID season, playing five years or four years 
and getting drafted usually pretty quickly as soon as they see the field or even two years after they see the field. So I think that's in part due to Nick Saban's practice routine, his success. It speaks to his coaching staff's ability and obviously his ability as a coach. Congrats to Coach Saban, like you said, and we hope he has a great retirement. Mike Frable, I know that you talked about how this was, he could have had at least one more year um, and then that would be the time to fire him. I think this was a perfect time. Look, you have the pieces on offense. You have Traylon Burks, who unfortunately wasn't able to stay healthy, but then you also have DeAndre Hopkins, you have Derrick Henry, and you have a young and developing Will Levis, not to mention Mike, I mean Malik Willis, in if you want to. Now, I know that Mike Vrabel has done, has been successful when he started. He won coach of the year with, with during his five to six years with the Titans. And they but, were the number one seed that year. Yes, they were the number one seed. However, and I know that was with Ryan Tannehill, and, and like you pointed out to me, he, he did do a good job of progressing him, but Ryan Tannehill is not a great quarterback. That's just well, the end of the story. I, I didn't say... I didn't say that he did a good job progressing him, but he made a great situation out of a quarterback that got traded out of the Dolphins organization because he wasn't good enough. Yeah, but I think that was that was pro the majority of that was due to having a star number one receiver in AJ Brown. There's definitely going to be a spot for Vrabel, and if not a head coaching job, definitely an offensive um, coordinating job because he's one of the great one of the great minds in the NFL at this point. Let's move on to Pete Carroll, and we saw that after years with the Seattle Seahawks winning a Super Bowl, took them to another one, and ended up losing on the infamous interception. Um, he was um, out of this head coaching job, and now it's reported that he's going to be in the front office of the Seattle Seahawks. Look, this is another guy with a great mind, an eye for talent, and a guy that's able to develop, um, and a guy that's able to develop teams and rosters and even individual players. We saw it with Russell Wilson, the young one of the youngest quarterbacks to make it to a Super Bowl in his rookie or second year. I can't remember, but it was very early on. Um, he was able to develop Russell Wilson and make that um, a great team. Granted, they had an amazing defense, but Pete Carroll is an incredible mind. He knows football. He has a great football IQ, obviously, as you have to as a coach. Um, and he's been able to really help the Seattle Seahawks team succeed the past decade or even longer. So I think keeping him in the front office, not only that, but especially out of respect, is a really important move. I think it shows class by the Seattle Seahawks. Um, and I think it shows, like I said, respect to what he's done and that he can still help the organization. Yeah, so... I, I think that it was time for him to move on as the head coach. It's not like he's been bad. They've been 9-8 the past two seasons. The season before that, they were 7-10. and 10. Haven't really been horrible, but haven't been great. And when they ended up sticking with Geno Smith and tried to get this team to be a playoff team, I mean, after you, you haven't been able to have immense playoff success in years, it's becoming time to wrap it up. So it's a legend, and he has not had horrible seasons. He hasn't even had a losing season in the past two years. Understandably, some fans want him to stay, and I can see that. I'm definitely okay with him staying a couple more years, but do I think a Super Bowl or even an NFC Championship game is going to come out of it? To be honest, no, I don't, unless they draft an amazing rookie quarterback. So if you really, if the Seahawks front office wants this rebuild to start happening, this is now the time to do it. So understandably that he got fired, uh, or left his position as head coach so they can finally move on. They can figure out what they're going to do. Now we'll move on to perhaps the most heavy-hitting um, coaching decision of the past week. It's going to be Bill Belichick, and he and the New England Patriots officially parted ways. Um, and again, this was something that was debated the past few years as well with the drafting and poor turnout of Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi coming in and stepping in, um, and then even the poor offensive success. Now we know Bill Belichick is one of the best coaches, if not the best coach of all time, one of the best defensive coaches of all time. 
time. Um, and that's really his specialty. That's been his specialty. And they really haven't been able to find an offensive coordinator starting from the Matt Patricia to the Lions era. Around that time, that's when they started struggling on offense. Now, a couple of teams that have really been that have been looking at Bill Belichick um, were the Falcons and Commanders. But I think a really good fit would be the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, I know Bill Belichick, and especially recently, has started using the run game. But Ramondre Stevenson got a lot of work out of the backfield in terms of receptions. So he that's the same as Austin Eckler. Now, I go across the board, you have Justin Herbert, a top 5 to 10 quarterback in this league, who just got drafted the past few years, is pretty much locked up with the Los Angeles Chargers. You have Keenan Allen, who's coming off a record-breaking season, a career-best season, and he missed the last three or four games of the season. Then you have Mike Williams, who'll be coming back from an ACL tear. You have Quinton Johnson, a 6'5 wide receiver, going into his second year you have Gerald Everett and you have Kellen Moore probably the best or a top five offensive coordinator in the league coordinating that incredible offense you have a guy that's completely able to take over play calls completely able to take to manage that side of the ball and Bill Belichick can obviously be involved then you go to the defensive side then you can have um you can have Bill Belichick really um look at this look at that side and try to fix their defense out of some huge some really big pieces yeah so for bill belichick the move was coming for a long time the patriots have been absolutely atrocious if you look at their record since tom brady has left and really it falls in the hands of bill belichick he has almost complete control over the organization including the draft including free agency including making trades and they have not had success. I know he's a legendary coach, and I applaud him for that. I think we've all seen that a lot of his success is due to what Tom Brady brings, but he helped the Patriots defense immensely. And he helped develop Tom Brady a, a huge part as well. Yeah, he kept him as the fourth quarterback on the roster. He could have been cut. Um, so a lot of the credit is due to Bill Belichick. Don't get me wrong. But without Tom Brady, not only has their defense faltered, but their offense has been most likely, I would say, the worst in the league since Tom Brady has left. So they haven't been able to figure out their quarterback. They haven't really figured out their running back. Is Ramondre Stevenson going to be the elite running back that you're going to need in the future? I, I don't so. know. And, and they thought it was Damian Harris for a little, and then they're going to Ramondre Stevenson. You don't really know. So Wide new receivers? shell for a little bit, and now it's Zeke. Yeah, I mean, it, you just don't really know. Wide receivers has been horrible draft picks year after year after year they haven't made any big free agents splashes like not really and they haven't picked up any offensive weapons they haven't really had any defensive playmakers that they've gotten in the draft so really the time was coming i'm surprised it didn't come off of a retirement by coach bill belichick because honestly like we know how much the Patriots love Bill Belichick. I thought the way, the only way that he leaves his team is from him retiring, but they just said enough is enough. We kind of have to keep this organization moving forward. We've let you get this respect after year, these years since Tom Brady has left. So I understand it. You know, I think now might be the time for Bill Belichick to take a step back and retire but I understand why it happened, and I do agree with this one. NFL Super Wildcard Weekend, probably the most exciting part of not only the NFL season, but also this weekend, it looks to be um, one of the biggest events coming up. So the first game is Saturday, 4.30 p.m., the Cleveland Browns versus the Houston Texans. And let's just start off by talking about Joe Flacco. He's the over close to 40-year-old quarterback who's been close to napping on the sidelines, Been has been balling out for the 
Cleveland Browns, providing them a steady stream of passing, opened up the running game with Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt. And we see that Amari Cooper, um, Joe Flacco connection is crazy. 265 yards and three touchdowns or two touchdowns for Amari Cooper on 13 or so receptions. So he's been on fire. Now on the Texans, they lost Tank Dell for the year, but they do have Desmond Singletary, they do have Noah Brown, and they do have Dalton Schultz. So I think that the CJ Stroud, the CJ Stroud carry team is never out. If I have to pick a team, this is really tough, but I'm probably going to go with the Cleveland Browns. They're have they have an incredible defense, number top three this year, and debatably number one in the NFL. So that's my pick. And as crazy as it may sound, I think the Texans are going to find a way to overpower the Browns in this game based off of their offense. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Both defenses are pretty strong, but both offenses are stronger. I really want Joe Flacco to make it through. I think that's an amazing story if he can. But unfortunately, I'm going to have to go with the rookie here, and I love C.J. Stroud. I said he'd be the best quarterback of the draft. And just to sum it up, I think it's going to be a shootout game, but C.J. Stroud is going to display why he's the offensive rookie of the year in this game. Yep, the next game is the Dolphins versus Chiefs, which will be taking place Saturday night. Um, the game is reportedly expected to be zero degrees Fahrenheit, but feel like negative 13 degrees with wind chill. So that's going to present a problem for both Tua and Patrick Mahomes. Now let's start with the Chiefs side. You see that Patrick Mahomes is not really able to, has not really been able recently to connect with his receivers. Rasheed Rice has looked good, but Travis Kelsey snapped a streak of a thousand yard um, seasons in a row. And then you look at the Dolphins side that one the best running game, Raheem Mostert tied for the league lead or second in the league lead in rushing touch or total touchdowns. Um, and just the fact of the matter is that the Dolphins run game is pretty much unstoppable. Devon Achan rushing and receiving, crazy. Raheem Mostert rushing, crazy. You have Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill leading the league in re in uh, receptions as Tyree Kill. So I think Tua is going to really be able to distribute the ball in the running game. That's going to be a big part for the Dolphins, and they're going to end up winning. Yeah, so I'm going to have to disagree here. I think that the Chiefs are winning this game, and not by a little amount. Like you said, it's cold. Chiefs are used to that in Arrowhead, and I just feel like Mahomes is going to outduel Tua in every way. I know they haven't been great as of late. I know Travis Kelsey hasn't been amazing, but Isaiah Pacheco has had the breakout season that I told you he would, and they don't have the best receivers, but I just think that Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to take over this game, not as well as he used to, but in the way that he used to, where he would take over the games and they would win because of him. So because of that reason, I feel like they're going to win this game, and I don't think it's going to be a small margin. I think it's going to be about two touchdowns, probably 17-ish points. So I'm going to go with the, the Chiefs winning this game. Now the next game that's going to happen is uh, the Bills against the Steelers, and that's going to happen at 1 p.m. Uh, on the 14th, which is Sunday. And I'm going to go with the Bills here. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Steelers barely snuck into the playoffs. Bills are a main contender in most people's minds. Not in mine, but I think that they are going to win this game. It's not going to be such a hard game, but it, I don't think the Bills are going to score a ton. I just think the Steelers aren't going to really score. They have a mess down there, uh, and, and, they don't and I just don't really know what's happening with their team. And the team itself just doesn't have enough firepower to keep up with Josh Allen. So give me the Bills in that game. Yeah, I think what you need to know here is Mason Rudolph versus Josh Allen. That's pretty much the main part here. Mike Tomlin, I know, was able to get the Steelers team for the 17th year in a row above 500 or close to 500 or above. 
which is crazy. But think about this: Josh Allen is not going to be without his second receiver. Is going to be without his second receiver, Gabe Davis. Taylor Rapp is going to be out on the defensive side, so it's going to be a more depleted Bills roster. But I still think in the end, the Bills are going to be able to score more points than the Steelers. And the Steelers' defense has been great, but keep in mind, TJ Watt's not going to be playing. So I have the Bills in this game. Next up is probably the biggest game of the weekend in my mind, especially because we're Cowboys fans. Is the Green Bay Packers for the versus the Dallas Cowboys now? Just for some context, the last 10 meetings between these teams, including the Aaron Rodgers era, the Packers are 9-1 against the Cowboys. But the Cowboys are undefeated at home on this season, and they have a home playoff game because they won the NFC East. And the Green Bay Packers, we know recently, have been on a tear with Jordan Love playing great. Jaden Reed stepped up. Aaron Jones looks finally healthy. And that's going to be a problem for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, if you look at the Cowboys side, CeeDee Lamb, second in the league in receiving yards. I think this offense is really potent, but... The worry I have is Mike McCarthy's clock management. If this game gets close, I don't trust Mike McCarthy and this coaching staff to be able to properly manage the clock. We've seen errors time and time again in the past three years or two years with Mike McCarthy coaching. So I think that it's going to be a Cowboys victory just because they get out ahead in the beginning. But don't count Jordan Love out. 32 touchdown passes and an incredible offense that scares me. Yeah, I disagree here. I know that there's been a lot of talk about the Packers' record against the Cowboys in history. What matters is the game right now. And the way that the Cowboys have been playing, I think it'll be a little shaky at the beginning, but it's going to go out, and it's going to be a blowout. The Cowboys are going to blow out the Packers, and the Packers will score a substantial amount, probably around 14, 17 points. The Cowboys are going to drop over 30. This is a Cowboys game all the way, in my opinion. I have the Cowboys winning against the Packers at 4.30. That game kicks off at 4.30. The next game is at 8 p.m. It's the Rams versus the Lions, and I'm going to go with the Lions here. Look, the Lions have been not so great, and the Rams have been on a tear lately. But in my opinion, the Lions are just a better team, and it's going to show in this game with Jameer Gibbs and Jared Goff playing amazing. Monroe St. Brown is playing the best football of his life. Should have been in the Pro Bowl this year. So I just got to go with this team. They're going to be able to beat them, the the Rams, but I do think it's going to be pretty close with the Rams scoring a touchdown late um, to get the game close. And perhaps it's going to have to be a game-winning touchdown by the Lions, but I'm going to go with the Lions in this game versus the Rams. Yeah, in my opinion, this is going to be the highest scoring game. I think this is going to be a shootout um, like no other this weekend. And I think the Detroit Lions are going to end up coming out on top. Now, and we know the Rams have had Puka Nakua, the fifth in receiving yards this year, or fourth. And then they also have Cooper Cup and Kyron Williams. But keep in mind, the Lions defense is not is not horrible. They're able to stop the run. And they're, they're not bad on the secondary, especially getting C.J. Gardner-Johnson back. Now, the offense, I think, is what separates them. The Lions are able to do anything they want on the ground with the running the ball, and they're able to throw the ball as well. Jared Goff has looked great, and like you talked about, he was your Pro Bowl snub this year. So I think that the Lions are going to end up coming out on top just because how dangerous they are. I do think Dan Campbell's um, aggressiveness could come back to bite them late in the game, but I think they'll end up pulling it out. And then finally is the Eagles versus Buccaneers. I think this is the most interesting game of the weekend because the Eagles are coming in on an absolutely horrendous note. They Jalen Hurts hasn't thrown a football since Week 18. DeAndre Swift didn't play in Week 18, nor did um, Darius Slay or Devontae Smith. A.J. Brown didn't got hurt and did not continue playing. So I think this is going to be a horrible spot for the Eagles. And as crazy as it sounds, I'm going to go with the Buccaneers here. I know the Eagles are great when they're healthy, and I think they could get a bounce back here. There's a small percentage of that. 
but it's Baker Mayfield, it's Mike Evans, it's Rashad White. It's too much on the offensive side to be able to stop. So I'm going to go with the Buccaneers here, and they're very they've played very well um this past week this past week and especially late in the season. Yeah, don't listen to everything people out there. Don't listen to everything that people are saying about the Eagles. The fact is, they're still the Philadelphia Eagles, the team that went ten and one uh, or nine and one to start off the season. This is one of the best teams in the NFL. Don't count them out. Even the Eagles fans themselves keep telling me they're going to lose first round. It's not happening. They're beating the Bucks and they're beating the Bucks easily. Give me the Eagles in this game.